Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Wednesday, the 19th of September. Wow. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back to the Positively Negative Podcast, where we talk about life, love, and the pursuit of positivity in an occasionally negative world. I'm Dalio. And I'm Team Humble, and we're glad you're here. Yeah, boy. I have to admit, I'm having a bit of an intense day. Oh boy. Well, let's make this quick and painless then. (laughs) Yeah, all right. (laughs) I was hoping for long and painful, but since you said that, we'll make it. Why do you feel, do you feel overwhelmed? Just a lot of strands or what's going on? A lot of strands. Yeah, a lot of strands. Um, From being, trying to organize, getting some like things sent to me and I haven't really gotten a dress for that. Uh, to help do a screencast, I've got okay. like I'm just I'm just overwhelmed. I've got like literally loads of strands going. I've got one strand which is like courses. I've got another strand which is like daughter needs a new hoodie because she's lost it already and she's only been at the new school a few weeks. Oh, no. Uh, like your tooth, just loads of strands. Yeah. That's all it is really. It's just strands. I'm not. I'm. I really don't want to complain about it all because it's just. I'm still managing to do it. It's just. It's just hard feeling cold. Yeah, my head's still like locked into all of them. So, oh boy, it is what it is. I'm sorry. Well, it's all right. I mean, you had you're still like recovering from tooth pain from having yeah a four headed uh, hydra tooth. I fe- oh my goodness. Okay, so for real quick, we won't get into the gory details, but it really was like a Wes Craven movie in my mouth yesterday. I had a root canal scheduled. This was the third appointment of this same tooth going in removing the roots each time it's been about three hours i don't know if i just have like i'm just gifted when it comes to canals and then they just gotta dig to china what my anatomy is but i've had other root canals that were absolutely nothing like this so this one was like the nightmare and at about hour three or whatever they were like oh we found another one (laughs) we found another nerve like the canal goes you know down to the base of your tooth and then there's a nerve under that. So I had an extra. It was like a little four leaf clover. And That's uh, nuts. it was a hard, That's it was a nuts. hard day. I was emotional. I was tired. I was in pain. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot when you got somebody you. working on your job like that for hours and hours and hours, you know? Yeah. I actually have like um, a pain in my neck today on the side that I had to like lean with my mouth open. So I'm just like, I think I'm going to take a nap after this. <laughs> yeah. Just go with it. You just got to go with it. At least it's done now. It's better yeah. than you, but it's, be- it's better that you're there, not here, because you couldn't get anything like that done here. So no, exactly. And the fear of having like a, a mega toothache from biting on it wrong or something that was just not ideal last year. So we getting yeah. it do- done. We getting the hard work done. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd be nice to myself and chill because I'm not good at uh, slow down days, but no. I have them sometimes. All right. So what are we? Uh, what are we talking about today? We had a topic today, right? Well. If this was a Marvel movie, I feel like this would be the origin story episode. So I kind of wanted to talk about some of the jobs that we've had or gigs or previous employment situations uh, mm. that we that we had before we were glamorous digital nomad workers, freelance workers. Wait, who's a glamorous digital <laughs> nomad? Because it's certainly not me. It's certainly not me either. That's why I'm laughing. What is a glamorous digital nobody? Is this is this such like, a thing? Oh, just like a jet setter influencer and like. No, nah, that's a filter visor. I know. That's a filter. I'm telling that's, you, that none of those exist. It's just a filter. It's a filter I can't afford mm. either. So, um, in a lot of ways, other than financially. <laughs> um, yeah. So before we started, like, kind of doing what we're doing now, I wanted to kind of talk about some of the jobs we've had, why they sucked. Um, but then to put a little positive spin on it, we'll talk about what we what we learned because I think even if you had crappy jobs in your past, they everyone that I've had that was crappy really shaped me and kind of prepared me to, for the next thing. So maybe if you feel like you're kind of stuck in one of those jobs today, to have a little bit maybe have a little bit of perspective and appreciation for two people who have been there and been through like the frustration of the nine to five. But I, every single job that I've had that I absolutely hated. I I had like some really good things that I learned from being in that job and doing that position. Mm. So that's what I thought we could talk about today. It looks like okay. you went kind of in chronological order um, the same way I did. So 
do you want me to start it off or do you want to start off? No, you can get you get into it. Okay. So my my first like job job that I could remember, <laughs> I was young, maybe 12 or 13. Um, it was obviously all under the table because Italian family. I worked at my uncle's insurance agency. And um and a lot of times I would just go in go in like on the weekends. My grandmother worked there too. She was like the office manager. And my grandma made me dress up like in office clothes for a Saturday when the place was closed so that she's like so old school and like I have to respect it now, but she made me dress up in office clothes on a Saturday because if somebody came to drop off a payment or somebody walking by, it was like, you know, on the main street, um, that they would see people in there like wearing appropriate clothes, which is like such an old school, <laughs> it's such an old school thing, but I hated it. I hated getting dressed up. Um, and so I learned that, um, that dress code stuff like that was definitely not for me. And I also learned that, um, that data entry was not my friend. Like I'm still mm-hmm. terrible. If you ask me to just do any like repetitive type data entry, there's just, it's like a part of my brain that just, I get maybe never developed or I just, maybe I find it so boring that I don't put the correct effort in. Um, but I'm, I'm really, really terrible at it, but I will say <laughs> the thing, the big thing that I learned was that it, it was auto insurance. And so like auto insurance in New Jersey is kind of a game where everybody's super annoyed and super angry all the time. And I'll never forget my uncle used to say, listen, if we were in the business of selling ice cream cones, everybody would be in a great mood around here. But when you call like your car insurance agent is usually when you get into an accident or when something's wrong or bad. And so there would just be a lot of like really volatile, terrible people who would come in like screaming and yelling and all kinds of stuff. And I never once saw my uncle like lose his cool with anybody ever ever, ever. Like I saw people scream in his face to the point where it would blow his hair back. And I think that like really impressed upon me at a young age, like mm. kind of keeping it together and, and, and not letting people bully you, but having a standard code of standards for yourself, a code of conduct for yourself that isn't reactive to what other people are doing. So I think that mm. that kind of like definitely shaped me. Um, and that's something I learned kind of subconsciously. I didn't realize it until I was older that I had learned that there. Mostly I was just mad that mm. I had to wear a skirt. <laughs> Damn. So I was like a tomboy and I just didn't like it. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, I like, I don't know, you have, you've had data entry jobs, right? Like, or data-ish yeah, I- entry, just like so that, I'm not good at it. Respect for people who are good at it, but I'm terrible at it. I, I was, I was good at it when I was in my 20s. Mm. I, I was good at data entry in my twenties because I didn't give a shit about work. <laughs> I just wanted to get my check mm-hmm. every month, uh, and if that meant going into a building for eight hours and just cranking through it, I I got it down. I mean, I kind of put it in as computer operators like my last one today. Oh, so okay, well, yeah, don't car. go into it. I'm not going to go into it too much, but like I was really good at data entry mm. because. It was linear. It was the same thing. It was repetition and I could go faster on it. That's one thing that I was very good at in, in my twenties was just like, give me a monotonous task because I'm only here for the money. Oh, so it was just like, you just became a personal challenge with yourself of like, put my head down, get it done and be, let's. For that particular task, for data entry, yes. For data entry, yes, for sure. For for the particular role it was, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I had to do all kinds of filing. Oh, man, just being 13 and it being like the summer and all your friends are like out doing things and you're just in an office, in a closed office, (laughs) in a skirt and nice shoes for seemingly no reason, filing paperwork and doing insurance data entry. I was like, I hated it. But grandma sometimes took me out for sushi at lunchtime and it was nice to be with her, but... That was like my very first job that I could remember being like, oh man, is this what work is? Is this what adults do? Because I hate it. <laughs> How can I not do this in my life? That's pretty rough at 13, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Okay. How about you? What was your What was your first or earliest? I don't know if it was my first job, but it was one of those ones that I'll always remember just because of the sheer cacophony of of head fuckery that i went through in the realization that people actually did these kind of jobs 
Like I had no, I had no kind of, I had no correlation what a butcher did or mm-hmm. like how they went about their business and how they made money and who they delivered to. And, you know, I had no idea. So I think it was probably around 16 or 17. Uh, I'd got to that point where my mom and dad had got completely f- pissed off with me just playing on my Amiga uh upstairs all day every day like leaving plates and dishes and shit all over the bedroom and they were like you need to get a job and i know a a bloke of a bloke i think my dad got me the job somehow i know a bloke of a bloke and he's i've got you a job like my dad said i've got i've got you a job and it's at this place and i had to bike to it no matter what weather and it was like over over a hill and down a hill and i was there so it wasn't far i would say probably a mile and um my so i just one day i went there on a saturday and it was a weekend job it was just one day a week that's all it was because i was like 17 like try and get me into the idea of working because I, I think i was doing college at the time mm. like uh, like technical college in the week where i was like learning how to fake id mainly um mm. so yeah on saturdays i would go down to this job and i was getting five pound a day for this job and that was considered quite a lot. Well, not quite a lot of money, but it was, you know, it was more money than I was making a week because I wasn't making any, you know, I wasn't making any money right. such. I was, I was getting my pocket money to like, get the bus. And you know, I don't think you earning. actually said what the actual, what the job was. Like you weren't cutting the meats, were you? No. So the, so, all right. So I turned up at this, this job and uh, didn't know how much I was going to get paid by the way at the, at that point. It was just like, my dad told me that I've, to come here and like you've got a job for me and show up i remember it being all very like yeah i remember it being all very like the guy behind the counter was like right then and so i had to do a variety of stuff from cleaning the pots in this big industrial like thing to scraping fat off the floor of the freezers to delivering potatoes up like fucking hills on an old rusty butcher's bike with a basket that went the same way as the didn't go the same way as the bike when you turned corners so you didn't know if the fucking potatoes were falling off <laughs> to the de- to delivering what's called chiclets mm-hmm. uh, to old people to old people in old people's homes and having to go into their specific rooms to get the money off their side dresser table absolutely hideous experience all around i have to say and for five quid, looking back now, for five quid for eight hours of my time, I think the lesson that I learned. So the good thing, the good thing about it is that it made me realize how how much work you. you it made me realize um, what I was happy with earning for the value I thought I was worth. Hmm. Right. So, I mean, I would get a bag of meat out of it. So at the end of the day, I would get like five pound and a bag of meat like good meat good quality meat right so i'd get home i'd be soaking because it's like raining out and i'd walk through the door with my five quid and my dad would give me that look as if to say yeah that that's what working looks like kind of thing it was kind of like 50 percent evil and 50 percent like you've got a job now and yeah. therefore I, I can give cut you some slag right. and i remember many times just standing there soaking miserable like fuck this this is bullshit <laughs> And my dad cut cooking all of this meat and then me devouring that meat, like, and then kind of putting all that together, kind of like, all right, so I spent seven or eight hours there. I've earned this amount of money, which can buy me like a new game. It wasn't worth it. My feet hurt. I'm covered, like I'm drenched. And, you know, I got a bag of meat with all the variety of different meat in this just little bag, like carrying it home on my handlebars, like underneath my fingers, like on the, on the, on the bike. Mm. And I, I guess I guess what it taught me though was that of interfacing with people in real life, everybody's got different lives. Um, you know, it taught me that never to eat chitlets because they're absolutely vile and they're from the inside of a chicken's backside. Uh, taught me that I never want to go and live. I never want to be old in an old people's home ever. Mm. Um, taught me to get a car. Because that bike was a nightmare. <laughs> not having the bike in the rain life. No, no, I'm not down for that. And also, like, it gave me a respect for people who do manual labor jobs. I would say because scraping the floor of the s- scraping the floor of the the butchers was fucking hard work. Yeah, it was hard work because it felt like you were never getting everything up. Right. So it, it taught it taught me what um, it taught me what effort looked like. 
people can tell you about effort and people tell you like, oh, get stuck in, you'll enjoy it. Uh, there is something to be said about achieving effort, right? Right. You, you can't describe that to somebody. You have to go through it and you have to feel the physical, mental pain of doing something that pushes you past that kind of, you know, what you thought was your previous capacity. Right. 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 Because I feel like we're in society, the guy who works the least hard is the one who's rewarded as like being smart or being the one who gamed the system or who found a yeah, better way. I, and and I that's don't kind of not like, that's kind of one-sided, I think. Yeah. I think look. that, I think that's a big beef that I have today really is that there seems to be a gentrification of intellect that goes on today, which I can't abide by mm. but i guess that comes from where i guess that depends on where you're from i mean if you were born into a life where money was no object and you everything was on demand then why would you even question it that's just the way your life is so i think it depends on your previous life experiences but that was one of the reasons for me to come back to social after two years of going this is bullshit this is not what social i thought social was going to be it was the only thing that really brought me back was that the blockchain was decentralized, but also there was a space on that ledger for everybody. I felt like the mm -hmm. algorithm didn't make any decisions about your history, your background, your your capacity of knowledge. Um, and that proof of brain, I thought, was an interesting concept because like, I wasn't proving myself to the algorithm. It was just like, I'm posting something. It has text, it has images. We haven't got to the point yet where sentiment is sentiment analysis is running through it. Or we've got like, you know, machine learning going, Oh, you wrote this today and you were unhappy. Mm. You know, we haven't got to that. But just being yet, there that, is enough. Like, do you know what I mean? Just showing up well, is like enough to va validate that you deserve to be there, which is a nice feeling. Yeah, it is a nice feeling, especially if you have like mental health issues where you're kind of like wondering where you're at, like in life at a certain mm. age, you know, it's like, it's like having a virtual friend. I can see why people want like house robots and shit because of it. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, let's backtrack a little bit. Um, Butcher's Boy was both hideous and fantastic. Um, I can't believe I did that didn't put you off meat. Like you came home and then you ate meat after like smelling it and being around it, like in that no, form all no, day, it didn't bother I you. Wasn't, no, I wasn't in the butchers all day. Butcher's boy is mainly like a lackey. So you're so like butcher's boy. Out some more. No, no, I was kind of like just the. I was just a runner. I, I guess mm -hmm. butcher's boy was the runner, really. Like yeah, yeah. if somebody needed to go and take potatoes, or somebody needed to drop something off to somebody, or somebody, I need to package something up. I was never trusted with like knives and stuff in the front, like cutting stuff, because that was the big butcher's like job. Mm. I just got all the shit jobs that they hated to right, do, basically. Right. <laughs> And I think my dad probably asked them that. Sure. My dad probably said, do you have, a go uh, do you have any jobs? It, it doesn't matter how shit they are. I can imagine my dad saying it, actually, <laughs> the way he, he would have phrased it. My my, brother, my, my son's lazy as, as F. Like, you need to get him in here and pay him, like, next to nothing so he can, you yeah. know, get his act together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Didn't your parents ever tell you it builds character? Oh, yeah. Millions of times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's so yeah, true. I hate it. Like, I hate admitting how true it is. But when you grow up and you realize that it kind yeah, of it really character. does. If the, if the character you was going for was demonizing your childhood by making you uh, realize your poor choices uh, in, in jobs and being uh, shoehorned into something that you didn't originally... Uh, well, I guess it can build character. Every, every experience in life can either build character or no, build did. bitterness I'm and joking. resentment. I'm, jo I'm joking. <laughs> it, it, it did. It did build character. It built character to the point that I was like, I don't enjoy this. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know what I didn't enjoy before that. Yeah, I didn't right. know I wouldn't enjoy working in the butchers. Like it. Right. So the character it built was one of defiance. That fuck yes. me, I don't want to work in a job like that. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at with the uniform thing, like having to dress up. I just, I hated the, like, the compliance of that. Like, I don't know. It's just something about it that, like, I was like, mm-mm, this is not what we do. I want to wear shoes that have duct tape on them. Uh, <laughs> okay, so then my next one, I was a little older. I was 17. I did the I did the insurance agency stuff because in the States, I think you have to be 15, 15 or 16 to get working papers to actually, like, legally be on the book. So that was just, like, family stuff on the weekend. You know, my family would chuck me a couple bucks. Um, but then when I officially had working papers, like my first quote unquote on the record job was at a grocery store called ShopRite. And uh, I was a bagger and they hired me first as a bagger. And then maybe if you're lucky, you can be a cashier. 
So they hired me, me and a couple other people as baggers, uh, a couple, like a week or two before Thanksgiving. And I remember they had these training computers in the back and we had to sit there and we had to be like, Lisa looks like there's something, looks like there's something in Lisa's pocket as she's going, (laughs) she's going through, like, do you confront her? Do you like, you know, those awful training videos and like, Mm -hmm. this was like a computer when you had to step through and be like, you don't know the price of lemons today. What's the best thing to do? Call the manager? Like, you know, just mind numbing. And I was already like, oh no, (laughs) this is not good. Um, And I remember being on the computers one day and somebody busted into the training room where we were all like chilling. And they were like, everybody in here, get outside and bag. Because the the holiday rush had started, like the, the November um, out of control, ridiculous Thanksgiving rush had started. So I remember bagging groceries for freaking hours, heavy, heavy cans of like yams and corn and like, you know, like frozen turkeys that were 18 pounds and my back hurt and my knees hurt and, and everything sucked. So I absolutely hated that job. Like that was one of the jobs where eventually I got my license and I would pull into the parking lot and I would just sit there and be like, my legs aren't moving. I need to get inside, but my body's not (laughs) letting me go in. So eventually it became a cashier. And then eventually after that, they knew me and they ended up, you know, trusting me because nobody's in those jobs. A lot of people are not in those jobs for more than like six months. So the fact that I was there like a year, I kind of had a little bit of legacy and trustworthiness and they would ask me to go do some of the online shopping orders and uh, to actually shop for people in the store. But what I quickly realized, which is, this is part of the part that, um, of what I learned was that if I had something in my hand and I was walking someplace quickly, no one would bother me and no one would stop me and be like, what are you doing? (laughs) So that was my strategy. I'd pick up something and I'd literally just like do laps around the store, but I'd kind of have like a brisk pace and something in my hand. And I realized like, this is great. Like, this is how I get through my shift. (laughs) Because no manager would ask me what I was up to. No customer would stop me and ask me something because I looked like I had a purpose. So that was kind of like the first time I realized that even though looking like you're doing something and doing something are not the same thing in output, from the outside, that's exactly the same. And that was kind of like a realization that I had as like a 16, 17-year-old, like, oh, okay. So it's about looking like you're busy. (laughs) You're like a walking, talking, analog DOS attack. <laughs> I really was. I was like, it's just volume here. It's not actually about effort. Like, it's not actually about how much I care or what good of a job I do because I realized that wasn't being rewarded, like, you know, pretty uh, right off the bat. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's a very important topic that you brought up. Like, because it's not a good life thing to be telling. No. For the teenagers that they should look busy no. and not actually do the damn job because if we do that then the planet is is over. No, I think I what agree. you're what you're saying I think what you're saying is like to deal to comply to have any kind of level of uh mental uh relaxation and less anxiety to, to actually do that job, repetition, do that mm-hmm. job over and over and over, you have to build in fail safes of, right. of like that I need to build, I'm going to do the job, but I need to build up to it. But Yeah. And it also um, taught me that other people, there was really no difference between me and people above me. It was kind of a confidence booster because <laughs> I've soon realized that the people who were quote unquote managers were like a grade older than me in high school themselves. And there was really like, it kind of freed my brain to, because I think I'm always, always somebody who was a little bit like intimidated by authority and intimidated by by people and be like, oh, they're quote unquote that position. They must be better, smarter, this, 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 that. And it kind of broke all that down for me because I was like, oh, people just find themselves in these positions. It has no nothing to do with intelligence or do you know what I mean? Like when, when you kind of like, I felt like it helped me to kind of break out of whatever that like thing was in my brain of like, oh, this person's in a place of authority. They must, maybe that, and you know, I'm terrible because I've always like questioned authority and things like that, but Mm-hmm. It kind of broke down those like barriers. And I, that was like my coping mechanism. You're right. Cause I kind of, I super hated it there. Um, but th- I should probably, I, yeah. mm, no, no, the, the only other thing, and you kind of touched on this w- with your last job is after I, I got out of that job, I realized that I, I, I kind of thought that it should be mandatory for everybody to have a job like that. Some type of service job 
for like at least a year at some point in their life because the way that I treat people in those positions was com- completely changed after that. And you, you know, everyone can everyone could tell the, their friends or the people they know who have never had a service job because of the way that they treat waiters, waitresses, you know, the person mm, bagging their groceries, like that completely changed things for me. And I, and to this day, like I, I bag my own groceries at the grocery store or, you know, I, I look at people in the eye because that's just a small part of their day and they probably hate being there, but they're, I'm so thankful that I, I had that job so that I can remember like how to treat people, how to have compassion and empathy for people who are probably, you know, maybe, I mean, if you, maybe you have a job like that and you absolutely love it and that's awesome. I just, I didn't love it at all. And I got yelled at a lot. I would come home crying, like <laughs> people screaming at me just because they were stressed and they wanted to take it out on me. So, you know, mm. it's just not necessary. So that really changed how I, how I treat people, you know, when I'm out in the world. I think I don't mm. think, and, I, and I've never been like an angry, malicious person, but I don't think I would have had that perspective if I hadn't had that job. Mm. And when I quit, I wanted, I told everyone I was going to release all the lobsters from the seafood department and then quit, okay. but I never did. I just, everyone believed that I would. <laughs> and I just told everyone that I, I was going to do that and then leave. And that's how I was going to quit. Kind of, kind of similar characters like that on a particular, particular job I had actually, <laughs> which I should probably flick it, flip it around actually and put the next one. I should have put it two and three. I should put up computer operations and then where warehouse was like the last one I did just because I wanted to make some, bring some money in regularly. Mm. So I'll flip it around. So, uh, yeah, I, I totally, I totally hear where you're coming from about the service thing. I think uh, that's not to say that people should have a job to be shouted at, but I think it again, builds character for you to recognize, um, weaknesses in yourself that you're not willing to either mm. be spoken to like that or the way that you unpack it and realize where somebody's frustration level is also unlocks your ability to recognize your own mm. right yeah i think i think that's i think that's one thing from working in those places i had a similar thing with computer operations it's i kind of touched on it earlier on about having a job just for money. This was a job that I just needed for money. Computer operations. I was in computer operations for local council for about six or seven years. Um, it was also in my early days of experimenting with, um, well, drugs, but also um, uh, like electronic music and um, let's say... <laughs> hmm, how do I put this? Like computers in general, like having a very close connection with computers, mm. like dial-up modems, like being excited about bulletin board systems, downloading More of things, like a culture, creating the culture things of computers. Like, like it was an explosion. Mm. It was an explosion after the, having the desktop machine. It was like the next level thing, really. And so, computer operations at that time, I'm not kind. Of, I'm not sure how it happened, but I was incredibly lucky that when I was 21, I bought my first flat. Um, and I bought my first flat because I got this job. That's crazy. It was a big deal. It was a big deal because, um, I don't know how the hell I got this job, to be honest, working for a local council, but I ended up getting this, this job and, um, I was getting paid quite a lot of money a month to do this job. And it was, it was two different shifts. The reason why people didn't like the job, it was like, sometimes it'd be seven, three, so seven o'clock in the morning till three in the afternoon. And then the other shift would be two ten. So like I might do two weeks of seven three and then one week of two ten. It was it was a nightmare really for anybody wanting to have a job because you couldn't really organize your life. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think I had a partner for the first year and a half of being in the flat. I think I was alone. I think I was twenty one with my flat, top floor. Um, my dad would give me some money towards uh, the mortgage, and my mortgage was like three hundred pound a month. My, my wage my wages was like a thousand. So I was <laughs> a twenty one year old. I was a 21-year-old guy with a top-floor flat. It was only three f- floors, but felt like you were living because you were at the top. Brand-new apartment, brand, brand-new, just been built. Um, yeah, got this job nearby, about three or four miles away. And, yeah, I, I started there, 7-3 shift. The, the other woman, who was much older than me, she didn't like 7-3 shift because it was really hard for her to get over from where she lived in the morning. So we kind of had a deal where I did mainly 7-3 uh, I remember playing Quake 2 at the time a lot. 
I remember having three ISDN lines in the house just to get a low ping. Um, and my phone bill was something like eight hundred pound a quarter. It was insane. Well, you we were, were like we living were then, except you did you you just didn't like the job. Like, what was the worst part about the job itself? Uh, so the worst part about the job was that I, apart from it being monotonous, I just couldn't believe that something so big as local authority was using technology that was so fucking old. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. It was probably the start of my realization of how inefficient the world was. Mm-hmm. Like it was 21 years of age, like excited by technology, explosion of technology and all these new things, new computers, new, you know, mobile phones in the car. It's like, what the fuck? You know, like cool stuff. And our computer system at the local council was the size of a room and needed this guy who was 70 to come in once a week to use his vacuum cleaner on it to clean the dust off it to keep it going Mm -hmm. because the thing would just seize up. And I was constantly like fighting the system of like, why the hell are we using this thing? Mm. Like, What's the deal? Tell me what the deal is here. Like, why is this still being used? And why do these reports like – and so – the the monotony of that job what got to me was that i used to have to walk down this really lonely spooky corridor every night to go to a safe to pull these magnetic tapes out and this bloody green screen lcd would crt even not even lct crt so it was round and it like fucking reprogrammed your retinas (laughs) um would spit out just like on screen go and get me these tapes no like you know no parlay no fuck all get me these tapes So you'd have, so I'd have a list of tapes, right? That I'd have to go and get. So that there might be numbered one, five, seven, eight, or something like that. And there was just so many times where I'd like pull this big fucking safe door open, like which was heavy. It was really fucking heavy to open it. And then I'd have to walk in there, and I swear to God, it was haunted. I swear I saw things. Oh no, no! Mm-mm. And I had to pull like I had to remember the number, and I had to pull the tape off and put it into this trolley and push the trolley down the you know corridor and shit horrible like old 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 town hall i'll show it you one day when you're back over it. it's fucking scary as fuck <laughs> so like when you're on a 210 shift it's even worse because nobody's there after six. Oh months. no no it's the worst like and, and the lights come on the, when you walk down it and everything so just scary right right um so that so the tough thing about that was putting these bloody tapes into machines that would like do this this like perspex door would slide down you put the tape in it go like do it, and then all of a sudden, like thirty seconds later, it spit the tape out. I'm like, what the fuck? Are you telling me that machine got anything off that tape? What did it? What, like, what did it get off that tape? <laughs> like, what? What? What did I walk down there to do? Wow! So, like, yeah. what, what did this tape? What did this tape get off that thing? Right. So, like, basically, that was the thing that frustrated me the most. Was just like. I don't, like, I don't we believe we've not. What am I getting paid I, for? Like, why we've got? Why have we got five hundred tapes? And what do these tapes have on them that need to be in this machine for thirty seconds to pull back? Why haven't we organized this? Shit? Wait, like, you didn't like, know what it was, was on the tapes? No, no. The, 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 so the software was called Helmsman, <laughs> right? It was this so old piece of software. I don't even know how I learned it, but I learned it. It was low level as fuck. I was just looking at processes. I was looking at a list of processes on the screen. It had a number on the left-hand side and they had a name. And my job as computer operator after a certain time, so on 210 shift, like we would run, we would have a list of tasks that we need to run through for that day. So we'd run through like local authority bills and then we would run through NNDR, which are non-domestic rates, which is for business bills. And so I would have to load up these two super high-speed, fucking noisy as fuck printers with the the bills (laughs) and i'd have to go through these steps and run certain bills off and make sure they stacked and then sometimes they ripped up and had to reprint them and rerun the task and make sure the process ran before another process had ran and it was just that bit was easy because after a while you get into a rhythm with it Mm -hmm. it was just the tapes that were a pain in the ass so that pissed me off because i got to the point with that job where i was like all right i need to optimize the frustration out of this job i need to get rid of it I need to get rid of what fucks me off about mm-hmm. the job. So, so what I used to do when I had a seven three shift is by I would get in early, quarter to seven, and by nine o'clock, I'd done eight hours of work in two hours. Mm-hmm. I got so good at the job, like I want to run this off, I want to run this off, I want to run it, bang, 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 done. Right, the two ten shift was a bit difficult because you had to like do monthly bills and stuff. 
But I got to the point where I would be sketching at nine o'clock. I'd have gone to the shop, got all my stuff. I'd be sketching my own ideas. Like, I don't know if you've ever had jobs where you have just your creative part of your brain is just like, I need more from, (laughs) I need more from this job today. I need my brain. I can't allow this, this to just take over my whole brain. Mm. The, the, The right side of my brain is like calling me. Right. And so I'll be sketching out websites and ideas and businesses and things that I wanted to do with my time more efficiently. There was a constant thing in my, in my job career of having more time to, to do stuff that I wanted to do rather than the, the drudgery of doing it slower. You know, like I felt like Mm. I was, I was losing my will to live at the same, at the speed of, of the job. And I was out of, I wasn't in control of that. Right. Cause it's not that I wanted to be like awakened or quote unquote, like in tune with what's actually out there that could make it better. Like if you didn't know any better, you wouldn't have known any better, but because you were so passionate about technology in your free time, it's like coming back to, I could imagine it being like coming back and being like, oh, I stepped in a, in a time portal and now I have to live in this universe where nothing makes sense <laughs> because you well, know that, you know, th- it, there's a better way. Well, it taught me a lot, a lot about how people fake their jobs, mm. right? How, how they uh, create bubbles for their jobs, right? Because between the computer stuff, you know, like optimizing that whole thing and my computer manager boss walking in at nine o'clock and say, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I've done all the work, you know, give me more work. You know, we have this ISO 9001 investors in people invest in me. I'm here I do the job like I've done the job. If there's right. no more to do, like, you know, what should I do? So occasionally I would be given jobs to do on the help desk, um, which is where I, I met another guy that I, I used to know, Robin. Uh, and we were the only two in the whole of the town that had bulletin board systems. Anyway, back to the point. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot about people at that job and how they just surfed through their day by using other departments as as ammunition for the fact that they couldn't get anything done. Oh. Right? They, they, that I would have people like do stupid stuff, like use the CD tray on their on their machine as a fucking coffee holder, so the machine was covered in like coffee stains. And because it, we supplied the computer as help desk, then that was on us, right? Right. So there was so there's this great area that I kind of learned about that, like local authority. There's this kind of slow, ambling speed, and mainly because the chief execs are, are old guys in grey suits who really ought, ought to just probably die. Right. And allow new talent in. But I, I, I noticed that people play a position. They play a role. They're, they're in it for a certain amount of years. They want to pay their, their mortgage. Right. They just want to keep their head down and do work at a speed. You know, I remember starting that job and people would be like, whoa, 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 slow down. Yeah. Slow down. <laughs> I remember, remember being that. in the help desk and like crushing, crushing five or six jobs and people were like, whoa, 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 you, you need to. You need to slow down. Like we have a we have a tempo here. Yeah, you know, that we do things. And you're like, why? And that was always <laughs> that was always beyond me because it was like, well, I run at a different speed to you, motherfuckers. Like I really, I really yeah. do run at a different speed. And you're asking me to do something that's physically causing me pain, and that's to slow down the speed that I think at. Right. Which then got me onto the thing of like, you know, you, you have the character building stuff, like you said earlier on, the butcher's boys, the thing that you go through that like, I don't want to do this. I realize I don't want to do this. I'm going to find something I do want to do mm. or work towards. Um, yeah. So that, that, that computer operations job I did for about five, six years. Yeah. Uh, I remember by the time I was leaving, it was all really awkward. They unplugged all the modems. They thought I was going to hack the place. Um, I might have done a few things where I made sure my business rates weren't popping up on the printers and and that woman might have left the department and and didn't have my record on. And then I had to pay the bill when I left. That was kind of something that happened. I don't know. It was, there was, <laughs> there was a lot of, of things that volition? I wish. Do you mind if I ask? Or was it, were you asked uh, to leave? <laughs> No, I, I don't, I don't, I think I left that one. I might have been fired from that one. I'm not sure. Yeah, it might have I think I left. I think, I, yeah. I think I, I think I left and went on to something else. I actually think I went from there and started another job, which was equally as hideous. And, but I definitely got fired from that one. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I just, it's, it's know. gotta be hard though to go back testing. to being like a normal quote unquote 
civilian and then paying taxes and knowing where the money goes because you're on the other side of it in your day job and you're like this is bullshit no it's even yeah it's even worse because you know how inefficient that shit's run and you're paying right, money to point. be inefficient that's that that was the right. worst yeah that was the worst thing in the world because you see behind the curtain well, I worked for a company that made plastic moldings, you know, like, and I would sit like in this command center, like some kind of Bond villain overlooking a floor where these machines were pumping out plastic things to put in the wall. Like, what the yeah. fuck am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the only one who knows how to use this printer, you know, like, I think you and why I am I the only like, one who knows how to use the printer? Yeah, I think you and I probably have had that, that, that out of body thought of pre- pretty much every job that we've had, which is like, what am I doing? <laughs> I tell you the, I tell you the hardest thing. I, I tell you the hardest thing in work, in jobs for mm. a person who is woke to their environment and their compassion and their understanding of other people's like inability to learn something or not to be, uh, you know, computer literate or whatever it may be. One of the, one of the biggest problems in work is not the work. It's the people. Mm-hmm. it's the reason why people who work for companies end up going off and doing their own startup because they can see a better way of doing it right. to make a more efficient way of doing it, to make it right. more cost effective to get a piece of the pie that they wish they had because their boss does fuck all and, and you do all of his work. Ooh, you know, like that's a perfect segue into my next job. <laughs> we'll get it. Get it. Okay. So, uh, so I had a couple of jobs in between the grocery store through, um, through high school and college. I did a, I was, a <laughs> I worked at a children's birthday party place, which was totally my speed. It was just chaos and bright colors and loud music all day. And, um, and then I worked in the, and then I worked in the coffee shop and that was caffeine all day. So I was living as well, but then <laughs> eventually I got, um, I got a job working for like a small local company. I knew the guy who owned it. And, uh, it started as just like, Hey, can you come in and help me pack stuff once a week? Like I'm completely, I'm completely just swamped. And then it was like, I remember, I remember standing there once and he said out loud, geez, if I could only find somebody who's like outgoing and like knows how to talk to people on the phone, like I just need somebody who's on the phone a couple times a week. And I was like, bro, like I got this, let me do it. So I started doing sales for this poster printer, small, small poster printer company. It grew to about five or six employees. And and after about a year or two, I was like full, full-time salaried, or I think I was salaried. And I was also doing sales of poster printers, like these big um, HP printers that would print on these 24 inch wide rolls of paper to schools. And um, you're, you're literally <laughs> Jimmy from Better Call Saul. I watch that show sometimes and I'm like, oof, it's Jesus real close Christ, to, to home. So yeah, I was selling these poster real printers real. to schools. And I was I was always also I was told specifically call schools in poorer areas because they get more money from the government. So it was like I was like, all right, so I got I was salaried and I got commission if I if I sold one of these poster printer packages. So I was like, I found out that I was really motivated by that because I felt like I had control over how much money I made. I don't think I put it together at that time. I was probably maybe 20, 22, 23, like maybe it's 24 by the time I left. But I, I realized I was like hyper motivated by setting myself a challenge. Like I really didn't care about, I didn't really feel motivated in any other job to go above and beyond until I felt like I was kind of in control and I could be competitive with myself. So I, Mm. (laughs) I had, I was doing sales and then all, and one thing led to another, we got a bigger office, we got a couple more people. All of a sudden I'm like the full office manager. I'm in control of accounts receivable, accounts payable, (coughs) excuse me. Um, (coughs) Oh my goodness, I'm dying. <coughs> oh no. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's I think this medication is drying me out. Anyway, I was Easily in charge of, of everything. Shipping, all the logistics, all of the graphic design. I was updating the website. I was calling people, doing sales. I was training new people. I mean, it was like to the point where literally my boss would go away for a month and be like, I'm going golfing. And I wouldn't see him again for a month. And I was just there running the business. I absolutely hated it. I mm. thought that I felt like I was being taken advantage of because I was. Um, I felt like I wasn't really the culture there, even though there was only a couple people, was very alpha male. You know, just not just not my thing. Like you know, alpha male sales sales dude vibes. And uh, and mm. I kind of felt like 
I was always overlooked. I was always like picked, quote unquote, picked last, or I wasn't, and I was the one like really running everything and really holding everything down. I was just incredibly frustrated at that job. Um, and that one took a lot longer to like wear on me. Whereas I knew like with the grocery store job, I hated that right away. <laughs> that one, I really kind of thought like, mm. oh yeah, I could do this for a while. And then, then I, f- the politics and all of those other little things that creep in. And I realized I was incredibly, incredibly unhappy. Um, but I did learn more than anyone should ever know about a poster printer. <laughs> I did learn how to do tech support and to be um, patient with people. Like I, w- I would have to help these like 97-year-old elderly librarians in Alabama who would call and be like, our poster make is broken. Can you help us? And I'd be like, oh, boy. Um, so I did learn a lot of patience from that job. Um, but it also gave me a lot of confidence because I didn't, I didn't complete like the traditional four years of college. And I think before that job, I had a big confidence issue in terms of being able to be in the business, quote unquote, business world or the working world. Uh, I have like, you know, both very working class family, you know, on both sides of my family, it was very working class, very manual labor type jobs. And I knew I was kind of attracted Mm. to like marketing, advertising, something creative. Like I wasn't really sure, but I knew that I kind of wanted to do something that was more business oriented than labor oriented. And because I didn't finish the four years of college, I kind of felt like I didn't have a place or I didn't have permission to be there. Like I always had this thing. And maybe that's why, you know, thinking back, maybe that's why I allowed myself to be kind of taken for granted and taken advantage of because I didn't feel like I really deserved to be there. I felt like I was, but after a while I kind of like looked around and I was like, hold up, I'm running this business. Like if this guy can literally leave and be in another country for a month at a time, like I'm here and I'm running Mm -hmm. a business full on. And so when I kind of, I don't know exactly when it happened. I don't have a moment I remembered it, but when I had that realization, that was really, really empowering for me. And I actually, um, it, it's kind of all coming full circle today because I, that's when I started my food blog was on my lunch period at my lunch hour at that job. I want to just have mm. my website open on my little WordPress situation open in another browser. <laughs> and I thought maybe I could like have a food blog and I didn't think of it as any type of way to like quit my job and have income. But I was like, I have to do something creative. Like I have to do something for myself and I have to do something that makes me feel like I didn't just wake up to work and then go to sleep again. I couldn't handle mm. the, that that notion. So that's when I started my food blog. And that's kind of what got me into ending up working for myself a little bit later down the road. So right. Sometimes right. you need those frustrations yeah, I think- push you into like something else, you know? But I think there's a commonality there as well where it's like, I think it's, I think it is, I think it is character based and I think it's also intention based. And I think you, you unlock those things like a level, right? Yeah. As you move through life, there's things that you unlock, like you just don't realize it as and when, and those, how those things are going to come about. It's almost like you've said before where you kind of fill buckets up and you get to the top and then it spills over into the Mm. next one. And I, I think I always wanted to be into some kind of computers because I, I knew how much it made me feel relaxed and how much I enjoyed it and how I took to them easily. I think that's the best thing you can do in life is try and find something that you do so easily, but at the same time you enjoy so much mm. you know, and then, and then try and build around it. I think people I've seen successful people do jobs. They absolutely hate and it changed them as people and then not realize it. They don't realize how, how how it's changed them as people. Um, I, I mm. don't know. There's no right or wrong to it. I think everybody's on a journey and they get to that destination in different ways, with money, without money, yeah, with education, sure. without education. It's a fight, right? It's a yeah. fight to um, survive yourself more than anything. Survive like you, 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 that internal argument that goes on with yourself yeah. as to <laughs> who you think you are, where you think you should be, what you think you should be involved with. You know, and how much time you spend on it when you get there. Yeah, it's like it's like most things in life, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And just to segue quickly into the into my third thing, so we're on fifty minutes. I'll try and keep it yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last job I did um, after spending three years in the city trying to 
get into some grant money and, and just like, I, ha- I had a really good thing happen in life. I, I, like I sold something, I got a lot of money for it and decided to set up a studio with some, uh, with, with support, with help after like losing everything to one of a down moment, but into a good moment. And then after that, I realized that, whoa, shit, I need a, a way to sustain myself now. I've, I've like, I've had a good couple of years on this money. Now I need to like bring some other money in. And so I worked in a warehouse, which was like a, a job that I'd never done before, which was like a 12 hour shift, four days on, four days off. Like it was brutal. I felt mm. it brutal anyway. Um, on my feet, 12 hours, 7 a.m. in the morning till 7 p.m. at night with like 30 minute gaps throughout three, three 30 minute gaps throughout the day. And the money was, the money was good actually. Um, that, being around lots of different um, cultures, ethnicities, reason why they were in the country, in the UK for that money, because there's no jobs back home. The problem with that job was, you know, that really fought against my creativity and my ethics because this was stuff that was being sent back or products that weren't selling. And the actual quality of the products was really, really terrible. Mm. And again, the distribution and the storage of these things felt like petty work. It felt like busy work. It felt like work that, kind of just needed to be happened to to prove that there that this stuff existed and was being mm. moved around i never felt like it had a purpose i felt like yes it was being organized into similar places but then those places were just you know what happened to this stuff was it going to be resold did it go out to different places mm-hmm. i felt like it was just part of uh, uh, a bigger ineffective system right. uh, to to like um to get through loopholes you know, like if you have a big building, you fill it full of stuff and then that stuff goes out into vans and those vans drive around the country or go to different places in Europe and you use fuel, then you can charge back certain amounts of money. And I felt like it was all a big game. Yeah. I felt like it was, I felt like, you know, I saw things that made me question what this business actually was. Mm-hmm. And then it made me question about the ethics of products and how far they're shipped and if they were worth the money and the people who were getting $2 a day versus somebody paying 140 bucks for a, a jacket that wasn't worth that. You know, like there was just lots right. of things that constantly nagged away at me to the point that in the end, I, I just, I just flipped one day and just said, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm, I, I, I will literally like break down in this place doing this job that I I don't, I don't feel like it's, I don't feel like the, the time I'm putting in here is a, not worth wasting, chasing that pay packet purely to chase pay packet to create a lifestyle. And two, the time I could be feeling happier with my life rather than just making do and accepting that this is my life. Right. Right. I think, I think a lot of people do it. People use the excuse that, oh, you know, I've got to do it. I need to put food on the table. I need to have a job. I need to have a lifestyle. When you really unpack it, I see what car you've got. I see what mobile phone you've got. I know what you're doing. You're paying for a, for a lifestyle, right? And you're playing, you're playing keep up, right? And you're willing to expend your time. That's not to say everybody did that. There's people there that like were doing courses in college and that wasn't their end game. That was just like, and a lot of them were sending money back home to look after mm. families. Yeah, well, everybody's on a different massively. point, like in their journey when right. they when they you know are at those places for sure. But the big, but the biggest thing I learned about that job is that because the shifts were four days on, four days off, and they were rolling, I hated the fact that I couldn't see my daughter at weekends regularly because I felt like I was I was sabotaging our relationship mm. with her. That was the hardest thing, and I, I could in the end I had to give it up because all because of that. Right. I mean, my feet and my legs were killing as well, but like there'd be a day where I'd be on my first day of the four days off where I needed to recover because I worked it out. I was basically work, walking 120 miles a week on those four days. So by the time I got to day five of that, I couldn't walk. I couldn't even get up in the morning. My legs would be shaking and I just couldn't, I couldn't move. Yeah. And then I'd have my daughter come over and she'd want to play or she'd want to do stuff and I couldn't move. I, I was exhausted. And I, it was just, how do you explain to a child like, that you can't right. you can't play or you don't want to play or you're exhausted right. like you just gotta somebody would say oh you just gotta man up well i've been manning up for 120 miles for the last four days well, yeah okay i'm not physically fit but like you don't get born with the right 
equipment to do certain jobs. You know what I mean? Right. You just don't. Well, that's, that's kind of how I felt like a lot um, of times with the real quick, just with like the other jobs that I had that if they would leave me in a state where I like couldn't function when I was off the clock, I was like, this is, I'm not getting paid enough for this. Do you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, it, yes, you punch the clock and you go home and then the money clock stops there, but you, you're still kind of on the clock to that job if you're mentally still there or you physically needed to recover for days and days. So you have to take all that into account. It's not literally, sometimes <laughs> we think that just like, oh yeah, I can just get by because it's just the time I'm on the clock. But if it starts bleeding over into the rest of your life when you're off the clock, then, you know, you got to take that mm. into account. That's hard. It's hard for mm. sure. I think when it when when uh, when work affects your identity mm. and num numbs you to the point of you don't quite know where you fit into society, that's a dangerous place to be. Right. That's a dangerous place to be when you when you're just uh, almost like a, a supplicant to to your life. Mm. When your life is 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 carrying on every day, but you're just existing with inside of it. That, it's no longer about money you've kind of you've kind of signed off on the fact that like any creative ideas or thoughts or things that you thought you could do better yourself i see i saw so many people suppressed by their situation who couldn't find a way out of it or had got so deep in, in tricked by society and marketing and you know have to have this and you have to have that uh trapped by bills trapped by circumstances mm. you know well maybe next week uh, we should I, talk I, about minimalism because i think the philosophies of minimalism is kind of a way to to flip that around when you realize mm. you don't need as much then you realize you don't need to work as much you know <laughs> i think that's mm, been something that's sure. been super work, freeing for both work, of us yeah work in a clever manner like a more optimized manner uh, and set out your stalls for, yeah, I think you're right. I think to top it all, I mean, you'll probably top this off as well, but mm. to top this whole thing off, I think more than anything, it, it, it really made me vulnerable to where I was weak in jobs and I adapted to suit. Like I adapted to my better qualities rather than allowed the, the weaknesses to overcome me all the time. Like I literally mm. was like, what do I enjoy to do? How can I do that for people? Like, and how can I find an audience for that? And I think we're moving into a time now where, you know, audience attention is, you know, moving towards the web. I've met a hypnotist who's like got a full on Facebook channel now. Like he was a client <laughs> of mine cool. last week. That's cool. Um, yeah, I learned a lot from having crappy jobs. Yeah, I'm thankful. I'm really thankful for a lot of them. And maybe I would say I'm not thankful that I stayed as long as I did at some of them. I was always someone who was raised of like, you don't, you don't quit your job until you, you have the next one or you're already hired at the next one. That was just like always, I guess, that immigrant mentality of like never having to miss a paycheck. Um, but when I quit the sales job, that was the very first time in my life that I quit a job without having something else lined up except for my little blog. And I was, like, I was so thankful that I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. Um, but mm. that that one that one was the most taxing on me emotionally and depression wise and anxiety wise and I was always sick you know you know how it's like if you've been had a job like that mm. it just seems like it robs your whole identity and um, mm. uh, but I'm thankful for I'm thankful for all of it like I can't I really can't think of one shitty job that I've had that I didn't I didn't really learn something in hindsight so if you feel like you're in a shitty job. Just know that it's not forever and you have, you definitely do have control of where you want to be and, uh, and how much you want to participate yeah, in that. I would say, I would say really look at your time, really learn how to diversify your time. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're, if you're every weekend in a, in a relationship doing the same damn thing in the same damn place, like, is that really what you want to be doing? Like how to, you know, like adapt yeah. to realizing how much time you actually have. Because when you get older, it's difficult to go back and do those things. Mm. You know, it's really difficult to relive those things because you don't have the energy. You don't have the, you know, bit of a bit of a positively negative episode I this mean, week. Like we really nailed it I this think week. Got a good balance. I, th I mean, I think always talking about shitty jobs that you hated is always fun because you get to vent a little, and I think a lot of people can relate to those awful mm. just like oh my boss <laughs> or whatever it may be so i just didn't want to make it all a complaining podcast but you know i i like a good rant here and there 
So me too. That was a good me one. I, I enjoyed doing that with you. Yeah. Yay. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks yeah. for listening. If you're here, you made it to 59 minutes and 30 seconds. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> An hour. Wow. I hope you're at your destination. And if you're sitting outside your food place thinking, come on, hurry up. I need to go in and get my order. We're finishing now. So you can. Okay. We'll see you next yes. week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for spending time with us today. Subscribe with Pocket Casts and get notified right away. And if you use Anchor FM, please feel free to call in and leave us a message. We'll try to reply in our next cast. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can now go to anchor.fm forward slash positive and click on the button. And if you'd like to hang out with us in our Discord, there's a link in that page as well. Stay positive and we'll speak to you soon.